Okay, you heard her. We are recording. Welcome to another edition of Complete Sports Media's podcast. I'm your host, Darren Campbell. We're doing a huge wrap-up today of an amazing weekend in sports. Just absolutely phenomenal weekend with the NFL and the UFC. Man, I'm excited. I've been looking forward to this all day, Jason. Thanks for joining me so we can break this down. Yeah, this was quite the weekend, man. Uh, especially in, in terms of the NFL and just what we were treated to over the weekend, which was stellar, spectacular football games that came right down to the wire or needed extra time to finish it off. Like, especially with the Chiefs and Bills games, you couldn't have asked for a better ending to yeah. NFL uh, playoff weekend. Yeah, that was uh, one of those instant classics, uh, absolute uh, barn burner uh, for the teams to score 25 points in the final two minutes, uh, trading the lead back and forth and uh, putting it into overtime. Uh, The only thing that I can complain about that is overtime sucks in the NFL. Uh, It shouldn't be decided on a coin toss. Whoever wins, usually, you know, when you're dealing with teams with this elite skill, they've, they've won the game. Uh, they should have an opportunity to both have the ball. If they both score touchdown, they both score field goal, then, you know, you got a second overtime, great. I just don't think that uh, it was kind of a fair way to do it. Uh, college does it differently. The CFL does it differently. There's a lot of um, rules. Like NHL, they have a different uh, overtime in regular season compared to the playoffs. Uh I think they got to change it. Uh, it just it just left a sour taste in my mouth, and I'm sure in lots of Bills fans' mouths and a lot of people that wanted more. It was like, give me more of this action. Come on. This is amazing. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you because literally the game was decided off the flip of a coin. Yeah. All right? And now if, 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 if Allen had picked heads instead of tails – I will say this right now. The Bills do exactly what the Chiefs do. They march down, they score, and the game's over, and the Bills win. Yeah. Like, it came down to whoever got the ball first in overtime was going to win that game, and that's yeah. exactly how it played out. I heard people saying that, you know, hey, there's both, there's two sides of the ball. The you know, Bills could have uh, flexed their muscle on, on defense and stopped them and then got the ball back, but uh, defenses are so hampered in the NFL now. They – you know, you touch a guy, boom, you get a penalty. You you wave at a guy, you get a 15-yard taunting foul. You know, there's just so many things against the defense. They want high-scoring games, obviously, with the way the rules are, that defenses really don't have much of a shot to shut down teams with these kind of weapons. Yeah, yeah. And but also too, let's 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 be honest here. Those two were on such a such a role for that game. That no defense is going to stop them. Yeah, yeah. And like as far as I'm concerned, they were next level, next dimension quarterbacking. Both of them. Yeah. They they were they were on, they were on like another another plane of existence when it came to quarterbacking. It was so incredible to watch. It was, awesome. it was just such an awesome thing to see, because I'm sure, I'm sure, Allen comes back to the sidelines and says. Got this one. Damn. 13 seconds. 13 seconds. 13 seconds, you think. (laughs) Oh, yeah. You know, he's not going to be able to march it down. 
that far and you know basically two plays and uh yeah you know it looked like they were celebrating in his private box they were you know the party and all over buffalo and and all of a sudden 13 seconds boom uh 10 seconds really it's yeah. over and uh kick a kick a field goal to put it into overtime and then march it down and ot and get the win it was it was insane yeah i i can't believe how much back and forth i don't think i ever remember seeing it go back and forth that much in the final couple minutes no man i've i've never seen a game like that where i'm just like oh 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 <laughs> i just get freaking out more and more and i'm like at one point in time i'm looking at the game going what am i witnessing right now this is this is some of the most ridiculous stuff and by the way i want to say this i want to be very clear the bills didn't lose that game mahomes took the game away from them yeah yeah well it's uh, obviously a dynasty a first team to host four consecutive afc championships uh, just that little bit better than the Bills. Uh, I feel really sad for many Bills fans. Uh, when I lived in Ontario, it was all Bills fans. They just uh, love the team there and uh, heartbreaking for them. Uh, but yeah, the Chiefs um, the Chiefs did it again. Uh, incredible performance by both quarterbacks. Uh, I think we're seeing a next generation of Brady Manning that we got to see year after year. Uh, this is going to be something I think we're going to witness for probably the next 10 years. 10, 14 years, however long. Like these guys nowadays, quarterbacks, since we protect them as much as they do with the rules and everything else, these guys are probably going to be playing for the next 18 to 20 years. All right. Yeah, yeah. So we are going to get this kind of stuff happen for the next 18 to 20 years. Yeah. It's fantastic to see. It's great to see. It's great to see that we have these young up-and-coming quarterbacks going against like the already set hall of fame quarterbacks yeah these quarterbacks are going out new blood is coming in and the new blood is man when they're on it is some of the best football i've ever seen yeah this has never happened before uh for two quarterbacks in the same game for both passing for 300 plus yards three touchdowns and zero interceptions they both got 70% completion percentage. They both got more than 65 rushing yards each and led the team in rushing. Uh, it's just uh, I'm unbelievable performance by both guys. Um, just such a treat. Uh, football, you know, sometimes can be pretty slow, pretty boring, uh, tough to watch, but uh, that is the perfect example of why the NFL has become the elite league in, the, uh, in North America. Uh, gets these massive TV contracts. I, I sent you a text on the weekend that I heard 91 of the top 100 shows on TV in 2021 were NFL games. 91 of the top 100. So games like that are going to just bring so many more eyeballs. And everybody that watched that game had to come away from it going, holy cow, that was fun to watch. And that's why they're the king of the professional sports world. No. That's why you, you, you see games like that that are just so intense, exciting, edge of your seat stuff that you're just like, oh, my goodness, I, I need more of this in my life. Yeah. Yes. If you're one of the fans from either team, you're like my heart. I don't know how much my heart can take. <laughs> but at the same time, 
it's just, it was incredible to see. It was yeah. absolutely incredible to see. Like even with Davis losing team. Wow. Records for receiving touchdowns, four wow. touchdowns, over 200 yards receiving. So you think to yourself, oh, that guy probably won. No, he didn't win. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I feel bad for the guy. You know, absolute legendary historic game, getting over 200 yards, uh, four touchdowns. Uh, really not a, a, you know, one of those top guys that we would talk about going into this game, you know, and uh, to be able to emerge and have just one of the games of his life and games, uh, you know, ever for a guy. Uh, but he, but because he's on the losing side, we're not really chatting about him too much. Uh, you're not seeing him all, you know, all day on TV and hearing about him on the radio. He becomes a footnote because they lose. Yeah, exactly. And then the guys that are not footnotes from the winning side, Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, the cheetah. Those two guys have been doing all year, all year. And the one touchdown that Tyreek Hill had was ridiculous. It it looked to me like it reminded me of when I used to play Tecmo Bowl back in the day. (laughs) And I just take like, you know, Bo Jackson and be like, run around, like, like run around and then run it in for a touchdown. That was Tyreek Hill. He yeah. was, his speed is next level, yeah. next level speed that I've never, like, it looked like everybody's going in slow motion. Those are really fast guys, by the way. And he just takes off like a jet. And he's yeah. out of there. Now that Usain Bolt's retired, he might be the fastest man on the planet, this guy. Well, I'm going to say this. It's either between him or Debo Samuel. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I think maybe Tyreek's faster, but not by much. Yeah. By much. Oh, that was uh, that was incredible because he caught it across the middle. There was still he still had to beat about four or five <laughs> corners at safeties, and he still you know weaved his way through them all, and then just put on the Jets and gone. It was it was spectacular. Yeah, it was spectacular. Like it, there were so many points for this particular game that were spectacular. Even Kelsey's catch in overtime. Yeah, he had the toe tap. Secure the ball. The ball didn't move. Like, yeah. it was just like, I got this. We're going. <laughs> We're going to AFC Championship. Yeah, those uh, two guys. Uh, Mahomes is incredible, but to be able to have those two weapons, an incredible tight end and Kelsey, and then an amazing wide receiver in hell. Uh, yeah, they just uh, looked spectacular. Uh, Mahomes, uh, you know, earned his money. And, and was huge. Uh, that touchdown that he scored where he had to dive and hit the pylon, uh, you know, just an athletic move that not very many guys on the planet can do. Uh, him, and, him and Josh Allen, man, those two guys are incredible athletes. They get outside the pocket. They, you know, be able to throw off their back foot uh, across the uh, field. They, they just are, you know, just so incredible to watch. I, I just – can't get enough of them. Yeah. And then also too, Josh Allen running over the defensive back, hurting him going, yeah, yeah that guy just steamrolled me. I can't get up. Right now. <laughs> Give me a sec. <laughs> like, yeah. like that, that's, it, it's yeah. just, it was just so many impressive things. Even um, Mahomes, like sometimes they'll just use his trickery out there. Sidearm, some, some passes to underneath the fenders are like, wow. Just, yeah. just wow. It's wow. 
Yeah, no, it was incredible and uh, really great that they put it as the last game of the weekend, such a capper to uh, you know, great weekend. Um, they had never had uh, all four games uh, so tight in the history of the NFL. I think the uh, margin of victory, the lowest margin of victory is 18 points between those four games. Uh, this one was only 15 points. Uh, all the other games were uh, game-winning field goals as the Time expired. This one, uh, an overtime touchdown by Kelsey. And uh, yeah, so fun to watch. Uh, incredible. Uh, it looks like, you know, definitely everybody seems to be favoring the Chiefs and the Rams going to the Super Bowl now. But uh, why don't we talk about some of the other games as these guys were getting in? Uh, the the Rams were absolutely massive. Uh, they were They were able to just stomp on on Tampa Bay in the first half and really looked like this was going to be an absolute blowout but uh all of us that have been watching the NFL for the past 20 years know that you can never count Tom Brady out and uh you know all of a sudden you start thinking about that 28 to 3 game Super Bowl uh, where they were able to come back and beat the Falcons uh they did come back they absolutely had everything go their way and somehow came back and tied this game, but left 43 seconds on the clock. Too much time. Rams were able to go down and kick a field goal and win it. But um, what, what do you think of this game? This was another crazy, crazy, crazy game. I've always told you that it feels to me like God has Tom Brady's back. Yeah. Like it, it just how many times in that game, the second half where it's like, Oh, the Rams gave back the Bucks the ball again, and again, yeah, and again. And like, like, they just, like yeah. it's just almost just like, no, no, we want you to tie the game up, please. Let's make this exciting for the people. Like it was, yeah. it, it was for me being a Falcons fan and remembering the heartache that he put me through already. I'm just looking at it, going, you can never count that dude out. Yeah. You literally have to play it right to the end. Because that's who that guy is. It doesn't matter if he's down. It just doesn't matter. Yeah. He's going to come back. Somehow, yeah, he's just got uh, so much luck on his side. And uh, when he got strip-sacked by Vaughn Miller, uh, fumbled the ball, they recovered. I thought, okay, that's it. And yeah. then all of a sudden, the very next play, the center snaps it over Stafford's head. <laughs> and and uh, Tampa Bay gets it back. And you're like, oh, my God. Like, how does that happen? Like, wow. He does have horseshoes. He has some. Yeah, he's being touched by God. <laughs> given opportunity after opportunity to pull out these games. Yeah. Yeah. And then the only thing that went wrong for him was just in that uh, that coverage that they decided to go with. You left the best receiver in the NFL go one-on-one? One? Yeah, that's a bad move. Oh, man. Bad call. I, bad was call. So, I was so angry. I was so mad. I, I couldn't <laughs> believe they didn't double-team Cooper Cup. They didn't, you know, put all their eggs into him and said, let anybody else catch the oh. ball. This guy's not. He gets a 20-yard catch and then a 44-yard catch to set up the, this uh, game-winning field goal. And this is the guy that that won the triple crown wow. in receiving this year. Uh, he's the guy that's going to hurt you. Make sure he doesn't catch the ball. Uh, that defense, they got to be kicking themselves. They have to be sick to their stomachs that they just didn't shut him down and not let him destroy them like he did. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's just 
Don't let that guy beat you because guess what? If it's thrown to him, he's not going to drop the ball. He's going to catch it. (laughs) Yeah, he's catching it, man. Oh, man. Yeah, I mean, another 183 yards from him, nine catches, and, you know, just proved that uh, this season was not a fluke, man. He is able to find – Find an open spot and get the ball. Uh, I couldn't. I couldn't believe the defense there. It just shocked me. Uh, they they just blew it uh, after that incredible comeback. Like that was, you know, if if Tampa Bay wins that game, we're talking about that as a one of the biggest comebacks in the history of football. They're gonna compare it to that uh, the comeback against the Falcons. It's not in the Super Bowl, but still, it was just. Absolutely legendary. And then boom, they just let Cooper Cup get two catches, field goal done. See you later. Uh, they're packing. Um, brings up a big question now. Uh, was that Tom Brady's last game ever? I can't see it. No. Why would it be? Like, honestly, what has he lost? Yeah. Has he lost a step? Is his arm still good? Does he still have a great team? Yeah. Is he going to probably bring back everybody again? Does he need to renegotiate the car? He'll do whatever it takes. Yeah. But the guy is committed. His body's in great shape. Like he, I, I don't see why he would retire. I don't even see why he would even consider it at this yeah. point in time. Yeah. Uh, the only thing that sort of started making me uh, wonder about it was, um, you know, he he seemed to pick Tampa Bay because of the ability to have. Uh, such a stacked team and be able to bring over some guys that he handpicked and, and had an opportunity to win a Super Bowl right away, sort of rub it in Belichick's face, rub it in everybody's face that, you know, Belichick's the reason why he won all these. Uh, um, they're going to lose probably a bunch of guys. I know they did a phenomenal job and were able to sign all 22 starters from last year, but I don't think it's possible this year. I want to read off the free agents, and I don't know if they're going to be able to pull this off. They've got uh, – they're b- both two running backs, Fournette and Jones are free agents. Then they've got Godwin, two tight ends, Gronkowski and Howard. Uh, their center, Ryan Jensen. Uh, uh, Sue is a free agent. JPP, Jerson Pierre-Paul, Carlton Davis, the corner, and safety, Jordan Whitehead. So, I oh, mean, man, those are – 10 really, really, really top guys. And I don't know. They worked magic last year, but uh, can they possibly pull that off again? I don't know. It'd be tough. You're absolutely right. It'd be tough. I think some pe- some of the players would have to take a cutback in wage yeah. if they want to try to go for it again. But I'll tell you one guy that's definitely coming back, Gronkowski's not going anywhere. Yeah, that guy's staying. <laughs> yeah, if Brady's there, he's staying. If Brady retires, I think Gronk retires. I think yeah. uh, you know they're sort of a package deal. Uh, I you know I don't think he will. I I, I kind of doubt it. He he set a goal to play at forty five. He led the league in passing this year. Uh, <laughs> you know, at forty four years old, it was he was not the reason why they're not advancing. No, uh, no. You know, they did have a tough first half. Um, the the Rams defense front line was uh, really dominant. Uh, they were pressuring the hell out of him. Larry, um, Donald was in there. Von Miller was in there quite a bit, really not giving Brady a lot of shots. But once they figured that out, uh, you know, an incredible second half and uh, 
great performance by Brady. I, I really can't fault him for this for this loss. No, no, I, I can't fault him either because they 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 came back. They did. They could. They forced turnovers from the Rams side of the ball. But I, I do want to mention Donald was a monster. That that dude is just a monster. I think personally he's the best defensive player in the league. Yeah. Like he's just one sack, seven quarterback pressures just from himself. Like he he was a nightmare for Tom Brady back there. Yeah, no, he sure was. It was um yeah, he's he's a force and uh you know, no matter what they tried to do with him, uh, he was able to get in there on the pressure and yeah, really, you know, cause cause uh, Tampa Bay to have a a tough go at it. Uh, they had a lot of punts and uh, yeah, we're, we're, you know, just, they, they looked lost early on and it looked like this was going to be an absolute blowout, but uh, they made adjustments. They figured it out and uh, you know, look maybe too little too late, but uh, yeah, that was, that was still a great game. Uh, you know, it didn't live up to the billing and hype that the, the bills and chiefs uh, had and, you know, were able to deliver on, but uh, that's still a great game. Oh, it was a great game. It was a great game. But again, it just goes to the greatness of Tom Brady, where it's like, yeah, that dude, you can never count him out. You you literally can never count him out. Doesn't matter how much he's down by, somehow that dude will find a way. Yeah. Um, Okay, well, the Chiefs are now going to face the Bengals. Um, The Bengals have finally got a relevant team. They spent uh, so many years in obscurity. Hadn't won a playoff game since 1988, 33 years. Uh, and it's just, yeah, just a terrible franchise for many, many years. Joe Burrow comes in, Jamar Chase. They start uh, really putting a lot of solid pieces in. Joe Mixon's great. And uh, they were able to upset the number one seed. Saturday was really wild with both number one seeds going down, losing at home, and uh, the Bengals were the first ones to do it. I was really surprised that they pulled this off, even though Burrow got sacked nine times, nine times, never threw a touchdown pass. Uh, they were able to uh, pull out a win against the Titans, though. The one thing I, I, I'll, yeah, he got sacked nine times, Burrows. Like uh, the, the, the Titans front, uh, front line was on him all game. Yeah. But the one thing that Burrow didn't do better, he did it better than Tannehill. He just didn't throw. He threw one pick, yeah. but he didn't throw three yeah. like Tannehill did. And I'm telling you right now, that was the difference in the game. Yeah. That was the difference. That was the difference, yeah. Uh, I found it hilarious when I realized after the two games on Saturday that there was only one touchdown pass thrown in both games. And who threw it? Ryan Tannehill was the only guy that threw a touchdown pass, and he was the worst quarterback out of the four. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, three mistakes by Tannehill really, really, really was the difference in this game. And also, uh, the Bengals kicker who has a bit of swag was able to call his shot said, as he was walking out to kick that final field goal, he said, I guess we're heading to the AFC championship game. And they were all like, Oh yeah. And he's like, Oh yeah. Boom. And he kicked 52 yarder to, to do it. Uh, uh, yeah, they, this team has, Young guys with a lot of swag, and they're kind of fun to watch. Yeah, no, and I, I love the fact that Burrow was the one to tell that story. Yeah. Like, I, I love the fact that it's the quarterback that says, "No, I love this guy. I love this kicker. I love, I love his his confidence, his swag. He's definitely he's not going at it like Manning with his idiot kicker and Vanderjack. 
that's not that's not their relationship <laughs> yeah exactly that's a good one to bring up yeah that's uh, funny but no they seem to get along and uh yeah good good relationship there um this is a this is an interesting stat the only quarterback to ever win outside of Burrow when he just did this to win after being sacked eight times or more was Donovan McNabb back in 2003. Uh, I don't know how he was somehow able to pull it out. You look at his stats, uh, 350 yards passing, uh, you know, wow, pretty damn good day, but uh, Titans defense was great, but just not enough. Uh, They weren't able to generate much. I was, I was, um, thinking that maybe Henry uh, just didn't quite have it. They gave him the ball 20 times, 62 yards. It just really wasn't the Derrick Henry that we know. Yeah, he did have his one touchdown, but at the same time, I thought the Bengals did a great job of bottling him up. Yeah. A fantastic job of bottling him up. And obviously, I think there was a little bit of rust there. Yeah. He hadn't played for a long time. But at the end of the day, that's still a – one of the biggest running backs in the league that you have to stop. And they did that. I I think they probably should have realized that he just didn't have it. He just wasn't explosive and they should have gave it to Deontay Foreman. Uh, He he had four carries for 66 yards, you know, was able to have more yardage than, than Henry who had on 20 carries. So uh, I think Foreman should have came in there took a lot of those carries away. I think Titans probably pull this game out if Foreman uh, Foreman's the one that carries 20 times instead of Henry uh, doing it. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, 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 you know, hindsight's always 2020. Right. And then you look at it and you're just like, well, maybe if we've given like Foreman maybe eight more carries, that might've been the difference. But at the same time, that's still Derek Henry. Yeah. You know, really so you're yeah. still going to give him his carries. Yeah, I, I I heard a lot of rumors that uh, they're going to move on from Henry. Uh, they liked uh, what Foreman did uh, this season, and uh, Derrick Henry's contract is more than twenty million dollars. I heard that's going to be hard to fit under their salary cap, and they might uh, you know just utilize Foreman and and move on from Henry, send him packing somewhere. I'd be I'd be a bit shocked, but uh, you know sometimes money talks and. If a guy can't fit in the salary cap, maybe they have to move on and they uh, go with a younger guy. Yeah, it's it's funny that that could possibly happen to Derrick Henry, who was on pace to have an MVP-type year before he went down with his yeah. foot in. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Which is ridiculous to think that Crazy. he's not on the team after almost getting to MVP status this year. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's amazing. Okay, so... Bengals advance, uh, take out the number one seed. Um, do you give them a puncher's chance of beating the Chiefs? Sure. Why not? I'll give you a puncher's chance. But here's the thing. If the Chiefs play like they did against the Bills two more games, they win the Super Bowl. Yeah. Period. Like, right. period. Yeah. All those things they did against the Bills, I'm sure Josh Allen's on the side saying, I didn't see that coming. Yep. Okay. <laughs> like yeah. maybe maybe he did, but at the same time, it's still really unbelievable when you're seeing it in real life. You're going, Jesus, he actually really pulled that off. Okay, we're going overtime. Oh, I'm not gonna get the ball. Okay, they're gonna win. That's that's <laughs> yeah. awesome. that's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, amazing. <laughs> yeah. 
the actual um, game is on the NFL Network right now. They're showing a replay of it. There's a minute left. Uh, Casey's up 33-29. And, uh, yeah, the, I, I, I recorded this just to watch it again. I want to watch it tonight. Uh, just such an absolutely amazing classic game. And I, I think we're going to be talking about this game for the next 25, 30 years. Oh, yeah, as we should be. And also, too, we should be looking at this game as that's that's the future right there. AFC has so many great young stud quarterbacks coming up. Yeah. Like if this is what the future is going to hold for us now going forward, I can't wait. Yeah. I can't wait to see more of these playoff games like that. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Well, on the NFC side on Saturday, we we had the uh, the Packers uh, number one seed uh, against the Niners. Uh, uh, Aaron Rodgers rumored to be the MVP for the second year in a row. We really thought he had a shot. Um, I think we all thought he had shots. And <laughs> he really didn't. Uh, <laughs> this He's packing. Um, he wasn't able to get this team over the hump. It's happened many, many, many times. He's, he's considered one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, but he only has one Super Bowl title uh, 12 years ago now. Uh, just never able to really win those big games that he's he's there for and he's supposed to do. Um, it really came down to him not playing that great and the special teams blocking a field goal and the punt return touchdown uh, was key. But, um, you know, Aaron Rodgers, he should be a guy that we talk about multiple Super Bowls, shouldn't we? Yes, he should be. He should be. But at the same time, just couldn't get it done their first defeat at Lambeau field this season. And it was in the playoffs cost them, cost them everything. And it, it, all the pundits and the analysts were saying the one weakness that green Bay had was their special teams. And it was glaring. It was so glaring. Like that's the only way that 49ers could win this game. And then that's what they did. That's what they did. Aaron Rodgers never beat the Niners in the playoffs, 0-4. Two things that Aaron Rodgers can't get into, restaurants and Super Bowls. (laughs) Good one. Good one. Uh, Lots of of, uh, comments on social media over the last uh, day and a half, couple days here. Um, A lot of guys rubbing it in on him. Uh, This vaccination thing hung over him for a lot of this year and um yeah he's uh he sent home again uh really quite shocking um do you think that was the last game we're gonna see him uh, in green bay i think it's highly likely that it will be the last game that he plays in green bay because of all the circus and the hoopla at the beginning of the season um i think it would take a lot for him to stay like there would have to be a promise of some sort from the organization to maybe acquiesce to more of his demands if he were to stay. But I, at the same time, I don't know. I I don't, I don't, I think this relationship has come to an end. I was shocked to see that they are currently $44 million over the cap uh, without uh, Devante Adams under contract. So you're, you're looking at 20, 25 million for Adams. Uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers makes about almost 50 million now. 
48 million or something like that his contract is. So uh, if they move on from Rogers, uh, Adams goes with Rogers, wherever Rogers goes, then they can, you know, uh, start grooming Jordan love and, and going forward in a, in a new way. I think it makes, it kind of doesn't make sense, but it makes sense sort of uh, the way the salary cap works and, and the animosity and things that we've seen uh, with Rogers in this, this organization, he seemed to patch it up as the season progressed, but um, yeah, it seems like probably that'll be the last game we see him play there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think so too. But then the question becomes like, where, where's he going to go? Because yeah. he definitely wants to go. He wants to do what Tom Brady did. He wants to go to literally a ready-made team that just needs a quarterback. Right. Yeah. And then he's good to go. Um, at some point in the game, Aaron Jones had more yardage uh, from scrimmage than the Niners had. Uh, Aaron Jones ended up with 170 uh, scrimmage yards. And what did the uh, Niners end up? Yeah, they ended up getting about 200 or so. But um, yeah, it was kind of crazy. Uh, can you believe that the 49ers are one game away from making the Super Bowl? two out of the last three years with Jimmy Garoppolo, who really doesn't seem to have it and they don't seem to trust him enough to, to play, but um, they're really on the cusp of going to a Super Bowl again. Yeah. It's, it's kind of amazing. It's kind of amazing that this guy you kind of trust, but don't really trust <laughs> is on the cusp of again, having his team go to the Super Bowl. Like it's yeah, it, it's, it's impressive. But I would say this, for this particular game, the 49ers team won in spite of Jimmy G. Yeah. They did. They won in spite. Yeah, early on, uh, I was really shocked, though. There was some seriously bad drops from his receivers. Uh, you could not blame him on the, both the first five passes. Uh, George Kittle even had a really severe drop. Uh, I was really blown away how uh, he was getting the ball delivered into their hands, and they were just – Somehow Butterfingers dropping the ball. It, it was uh, it was pretty tough. And then after that, it just seemed like, oh, well, let's just run the ball. We're, we're not going to put it in Garoppolo's hands. He only had 19 passes in the entire game and uh, yeah. threw a pick. And it just seemed like um, the confidence was lost. But early on, it wasn't his fault, in my opinion. No, no. Earlier on, it wasn't his fault at all. Like that, that's that's on the receiver's. Yes, I realize that weather probably had an element to play in that yeah. cold fingers and stuff. But at the same time, you're professional balls in the air. You got to catch it. Yeah. Gotta catch it. It's crazy how good Green Bay has been at home. They were, like you said, eight. No, this year I hadn't lost at all. 22 and two over the past couple seasons uh, since Matt LaFleur took over in 2019. They're, you know, second most in points per game at home. Only third, uh, third most in, in allowing points. Uh, Green Bay is tough, on, especially teams that come from the West, like the Niners do. Not used to this brutal cold, but um, they just weren't able to overcome their special teams' problems. And uh, man, especially uh, that that punt block from the end zone. Everybody's looking around. Where is it? Where is it? Boom! Falls into the Niners' hands. They score a touchdown. That was just, uh, yeah, that was a difference really in this game between the two teams. Yeah, that was the difference. Justin Smith with that huge block. And then also, too, I love the fact that they they figured out with Debo Samuel, you just got to give him the ball. Yeah. <laughs> you, just, 
in any sort of capacity that you can give that man the ball, you give him the ball. Like even when he had the kickoff return and he had that huge game, which led to a field goal score. Like that's what that guy can do for you. And I love the fact that they've been creative enough to say, okay, we're going to get you to run the ball. We're going to get you to catch the ball. We're going to get you to do kickoff returns. They'll probably get him to do punt returns too in the next game. Whatever it takes, just got to get that man the ball. Uh, Most people are picking the Rams to win this, but the Niners have beat the Rams uh, a couple of times this year. Uh, They seem to be the Rams kryptonite. the uh, they they beat them 31 to 10 uh, early on this year. And, you know, I was like, ah, man, how do the Niners keep doing it? This interdivisional rivalry seems to be very real. And somehow the Niners seem to have the Rams number. Yeah. Somehow that seems to be a thing. Like, I never would have thought that Jimmy G is going to outduel Matt Stafford. Yes. So no. with that being said, Maybe this is the 49ers chance. So there's like, oh, it's great. We're playing the Rams. We got their number. But yeah. you know what? That's why you play the game. That's why you play the game. And the Rams seem to be trending upwards right now. They yeah. really do. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And that game on January 9th, uh, you know, just only a couple of weeks ago, uh, Jimmy G had, uh, it was 23 for 32, 316 yards and touchdown, threw two picks, but uh, still had a good day. Uh, Eli Mitchell had 85 yards rushing. Debo had 45 yards rushing and 95 yards catching. And Ayuk had 107 yards on six catches. So, um, yeah, they won 27-24 in overtime. Uh, second defeat of the rounds this season. So, you know, I'm giving them more than even a puncher's chance. Uh, you know, they, they really could upset the whole entire thing and, and go to the Super Bowl again. Yes, yes, they have the they have proven that they can beat this team. They have the capacity. Now, can they do it? I guess we'll find out like uh, this weekend coming up. But uh, it's going to be a great game. They're both going to be great games. Yeah. Uh, it's been since 2010 that the uh, number one seeds have both been knocked off. That happened. Uh, the Jets beat the Patriots and the Packers beat the Falcons. And that was the year that uh, Aaron Rodgers won his uh, lone Super Bowl. Uh, but this has been such a crazy year. Just so many upsets, so much craziness. We almost saw all four visiting teams, lower seeds, winning this weekend. Uh, 13 seconds away from having all four of those teams. Uh, why are we seeing such craziness this year? COVID, yeah. pandemic. I would say that's a huge, huge factor in the parody this year, having your stars out, you know, like just, or having just your head coaches out and all this other stuff. It, I think it was a great equalizer for teams, top end teams, lower end teams, middle teams, COVID equalized a lot of things. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, uh, eight and two playoff career record. And if not for Brady, he'd probably be undefeated. Uh, just in, insane. Um, I, I, I'm really excited to, to see Patrick Mahomes for many years. And I hope we get to see a lot of these AFC top battles, um, man, that, that was a, a pleasure. That was why we watch NFL football. Uh, I'm frustrated by the NFL. Many of the rules are really bothering me. 
many of the, the things that they're trending towards, uh, I'm, it's turning me off of, as a fan. But when I see games like that, I remember this is why I watch the game. Yeah. Yeah. And then also, too, I think uh, the organization, the Chiefs organizations go, what a deal. You know, they have to pay that guy half a billion. That's a great deal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no kidding. No kidding. Yeah, exactly. Uh, there was a lot of talk about the Rams um, not, no, I mean, sorry, about the Bills not doing a, a squib kick on that uh, kick. They gave him the ball back with 13 seconds. Instead, they kicked it deep. Uh, no time came off the clock, gave Mahomes a chance to have those two plays. If they squib it down, it's, you know, maybe taking four, five, six seconds off the clock. Uh, were you surprised that they decided to kick it deep? I'm going to be honest. I'm, I'm watching the game. If I'm the head coach, I'm just like, yeah, just kick it. And then I think we're going to be good because yeah. he, had, he had to go 60 yards. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, he had to go quite a distance. But at the same, so for me, I, yeah, I can see where he was coming from. It's just like, oh, no, no, no. How are they going to do that? Like, how are they going to? But yeah. then you have to remember, Holmes is a little bit like Brady. Any time left on the clock is a problem. Yeah. It's just, it is just the problem. Yeah. And so maybe if he had a chance to redo it again, obviously he does the squib kick and takes some time off. But even with that being said, who's to say then Mahomes just goes, okay, well, I'll just do one pass for 50 yards. Spike it and then <laughs> Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. Yeah. He just says, Okay, we need 50 yards. Hell, let's let's do it here. And yeah, just, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, you can second guess yourself uh, many times, but he probably would have pulled it off with two seconds left somehow, you know. <laughs> yeah, like like that, but that's who he is. And that's how both quarterbacks were in that in that particular moment in that game. They were so on point. They showed the fact that it's like, oh yeah, we're we're both future Hall of Famers. This is why. Yeah. This is yeah. why. So no more Saturday football, no more Monday football, no more Thursday. We've only got Sundays left. Uh, next weekend, Bengals Chiefs uh, early game noon. Uh, Rams 49ers uh, noon Pacific time, three o'clock Eastern, three thirty Pacific, seven uh, six thirty Eastern for the Rams 49ers. Um, yeah, I don't know. I I think it's going to be uh, Rams Chiefs uh, Super Bowl. Uh, second year in a row that a home team gets to be in their home stadium for the Super Bowl. Uh, that could give them a bit of an advantage, but, um, you know, can we bet the house on the Chiefs yet? Oh, oh man, it is super hard not to bet the house after seeing what I just saw no. super hard not to go like, how do you go against Mahomes when he does stuff like that? Yeah. You know, like with the weapons that he has with, uh, with, with, with Tyree kill and Kelsey, it's really hard to go against the team when they click, when they click like that. Yeah. I, sh I realize that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, yeah. It's just insane. Uh, unbelievable what he pulled off and, and how they ended up winning that game. It was just a incredible shootout. And yeah, he proved that yeah, he's worth this $500 million. When, when he signed the contract, we had a podcast the next day, and it was like, Can you believe the money that he's making? And you're like, Yeah, he's probably underpaid. So yeah, yeah. Well, he does more games like this, which it's going to happen 
It's like they're just going to look at that that salary, that contract, and the Chiefs are going to be like, what a deal. Like the gym's like, nailed that one. Yeah, you sure did, buddy. Sure yeah. did. <laughs> yeah, it's insane. So crazy. Yeah, so I can't wait. Uh, it's going to be fun to watch uh, championship uh, Sunday coming up. And then in, the, in the, I guess three weeks from now, we've got the Super Bowl. And uh, yeah, I, I, man, that weekend, Jesus, that was uh, that's why we watch NFL football. I've had a, you know, a lot of people tell me the reasons why they don't like the game. Uh, I hope I, I hope they were able to watch that because you missed out. If you didn't watch that, anybody, you missed out. Try to find a replay. That is the classic, probably one of the greatest football games ever played. Yeah. 25 points in under two minutes. <laughs> Think about that for a second. Like, how are you able to do that between two teams? Like, how is that even possible? Amazing. But they, yeah. but they did it. Yeah, they sure did. Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad I watched it. I'm glad we were watching that. I'm glad we were texting. Oh. Holy my <laughs> God, that was fun. Yeah, yeah. That, was, that was great. Yeah, so great. Okay, well, uh, let's turn to the UFC. We had our first pay-per-view of the year. Uh, UFC 270 from Anaheim, California. Tons of stars out. Uh, so many uh, in-between fights. They just showed star after star after star. Top um, UFC performers as well, all there watching this. Uh, we had two title fights. Uh, it was it was an incredible night. Lots of great fights. Uh, we They set a record for... The most, uh, the most fighters making their debut on a pay-per-view. Eight new fighters coming in. Uh, that Dana White cont uh, contender series just keeps churning out these great, talented fighters, and some of them had amazing performances. But most of the attention was on those two title fights. Uh, the co-main event was a little more exciting of a fight than the main event, but I really loved the main event because we saw. The baddest man on the planet get crowned, and he really deserved it because he changed his way of fighting style and was able to turn a fight around that he was losing. First two rounds was able to somehow change his game plan, win the last three, and uh, retain the title, and really, really proved that he's super well-rounded fighter, which a lot of people criticized him for for many years because he's never gone to a decision. And never really grappled much. Uh, it was a, a great performance by Fra Francis Ngannou retaining his heavyweight title. Yes, it was a fantastic performance, especially when we heard his injuries that he was suffering going into the fight. Completely toward MCL, I believe. Yeah, yeah, amazing. Which is, you're like, okay, usually you don't want to fight a championship fight like that. But yeah. he did. Yeah. And then on top of that, the one thing about Cyril Gagne that I'm just always amazed at, he's got this incredible ability to make you fight at his pace. Yeah. He does that to every fighter. And again, I, I'm looking at the fight going, uh-oh, Nganu's falling into his trap again. He's getting him to fight at his pace. Yeah. And then Nganu goes, well, that didn't work. Going to have to switch it up. We've never seen him grapple like that. But now that we have... He should probably do that a little bit more often since he literally is stronger than everybody else in the division. Yeah. Yeah. Why not, man? He's once he slammed him, got him down. Uh, yeah. 
Gane was not was very unable to do a lot, and you know he was uh, yeah overpowered, uh, hard to get himself off his back. Uh, he had he had secured a heel hook, and uh, that looked a little scary for a few moments there. But other than that, um, yeah, uh, Nganu was definitely the the better man on the ground and grinded out a really big win, three rounds to two and retains yep. his belt. And now uh, all the speculation, what, what's he going to do now? What's he going to do now? And uh, the word today that's come down is that he needs a lot of recovery time. He needs to go into surgery, surgery. for his knee. Yep. Yep. Uh, it's going to take a while. And he wants to go and have a very lucrative boxing fight against Tyson Fury. And so he thinks he's not going to fight. He's going to give up the belt and yep. he's going to go and he's going to start getting lucrative fights. Uh, he's been in a, a really big war with the UFC over money. He's not under contract uh, officially. Uh, they do have this championship clause and that actually uh, keeps him under the UFC banner for one year. He said, I only fight once a year anyway, so it won't matter. I'll, I'll go out a year. I'll recover. And then I, I need to find uh, somebody to pay me better because uh, I'm really not happy with the fighter pay, the way they treat me. It's not good enough. No. And you know what was else was super telling to me? I was reminded by, by this by a friend. Where was Dana White? No. Didn't put the belt on. Wasn't even at the post-fight interview. Really? We like it, This is pure speculation, obviously. We don't know for sure. But we do know the man's temperament. Right. He does things for a reason, yeah. right? Yeah. So, yeah, this is all part, probably part of his um, decision, his plan to try to get him to sign, but like at numbers that they want. Yeah. That's clearly not going to happen. Clearly. Because, I, uh, yeah. I, yeah, yeah, that was bizarre. Uh, he put the belt on Figueredo earlier, uh, yeah. and then suddenly he's not there, didn't answer any post-fight stuff. You'd think he would. It was the first pay-per-view of the year. He loves okay. going out there and talking about how great it was, how, how big of a gate they had, how much pay-per-view was, blah, 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 blah. And, and him to be absent was really strange and really telling. I think, you know, maybe... Uh, with his fight with Ngannou and Ngannou's camp uh, made him just say, no, I'm, I'm not doing this. And uh, yeah, that was really bizarre. Uh, a lot of people want him to fight John Jones. John Jones has been rumored to be going up to heavyweight and fight. And this probably would be the biggest fight in UFC history if he faced Jones. But um, I don't know if we're going to be able to see it. We're not going to see it because they don't want to pay those guys. Yeah. John Jones has already been on record. He's like, you're going to give me Tyson Fury type money. The fight's never going to happen. And you know what Ngannou said? Well, yeah, since I'm the champ, I'm going to get that kind of money too. Yeah, They're ne It's never going to happen. And I, I, I have to say, if Ngannou actually ends up walking away, how awful does that look for the UFC? Horrible. For their champion. Horrible. Their champion just to be like, yeah, I'm not getting paid enough by these guys. Later. It's it, yeah. It, it doesn't look good on a credibility standpoint oh, for the best mixed martial arts league on the planet. Just it brutal. Just, just so brutal. Yeah. So brutal. brutal. And, uh, you know, we, we, I thought at some point it would come to a head and 
Uh, most times when UFC fighters have tried to take on the the organization, they've they've lost and they've been kicked out, and you know we don't see them anymore. Uh, but uh, this one is really a titanic battle, and uh, yeah, it's too bad because you know Francis Ngannou has really emerged and shown himself to be the baddest man on the planet and super skilled, be able to beat Stipe Miocic, get his belt, be able to defend it against Cyril Gaon, who had never lost, uh, you know, just really proved that he's legit. And, you know, one of the guys that we want to see and want to watch for years and years. Um, but I saw the salaries, the fighter salaries, and Gaon made $600,000 for this. Yeah, I mean, that's not chump change, but it is when it comes to the heavyweight boxing Heavyweight champion of the world. That's ridiculous. Um, when you added up all 22 athletes on this card, their salaries, you added up their all 22 athletes on this UFC 270 card. Tyson Fury made 16 times more than them for his last title defense against Deontay Wilder. 16 times more than all 22 guys. Yeah, that's, so, that's unbelievable. That's just how, why would there be that much disparity between the sports? Why? Why? Well, I, I'll tell you why. Dana White's very good at his job. Yeah, He's very good at suppressing fighter salary. That's his job. He's very good at it. But now, because of the Conor McGregor factor, he opened up the door for these guys to go, oh, man, I, I can actually make a lot more buddy than what I'm making right now. And I love the fact that now the fighters are demanding to be paid more. Yeah. I worked this hard. You hear Ngannou's story? Yeah, there's a reason why he wants to get paid more. Yeah. Nobody else is going through what he went through in his life to get to the point that he's gotten to now. All right? Yeah. So he deserves that. He knows he deserves that. He's earned that. And if they don't want to pay him, that's cool. I think Tyson Fury does. And then if, he, if that fight is made, after the year is done, now that the UFC doesn't even get a cut, that's yeah. all they want is money. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it would be crazy for the UFC to pull this off, but, yeah, it doesn't look good. It definitely doesn't look good the way it sits. Uh, Cyril Gane made 500000 for this fight. I don't know what the pay-per-view percentage will be. I, don't, I haven't heard the pay-per-view buys yet. Uh, UFC 269 that just had... Uh, we just had it late in the year of 2021, uh, had 500,000 pay-per-view buys. Uh, since they switched over to ESPN Plus, where they're doing the pay-per-views, they've actually had a lot less pay-per-view buys because um, you have to buy a subscription first, and then you have to purchase the pay-per-view individually every time. And they actually just raised the price to $75 a, a crack to... So um, the pay-per-view buys have been less. So these fighters that are trying to recoup the lower amount of guaranteed money with this pay-per-view money on the top, uh, they're just still massively underpaid and just not getting the money that, that the boxing has been able to supply. Uh, the Pauls, Jake Paul and Aaron Paul, have been able to you know go out there and uh, show that even farcical boxing matches and, <laughs> and cards can, you know, bring in lucrative amounts of money. Uh, it's really opened the eyes to, you know, so many of these fighters that are at the top and say, you know, Hey, I might only have another few years left in my career. 
I better go just, you know, make this re re great money. And, you know, it doesn't matter if I lose a uh, big deal, I'm going to get $30 million. Uh, hey, that's worth it to me. Well, yeah, because like, I think, I think Conor McGregor's actually said, this is to set up like my family, like, like, like my lineage, my no. family lineage. That's what this money is there for. And no. you're like, these guys are doing the hardest job ever. They put their life on the line. Yeah. They could have suffered injuries that are going to last them rest of their lives, like Daniel Cormier with his eye, Michael Bisping, or you, you tear your tendons, you break your limbs, like all of these things. Yeah. So, yes, you should be properly compensated for doing all of this because Dana White's not getting in the damn octagon to fight. No. But these guys are doing that. Yeah. So, yeah, if they want to get paid more, they have every right to ask for more money. Yeah. Every right. That's true, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I just actually thinking about that heel hook that Ciro Gane put on in Ganu. And if he doesn't have any ligaments in his knee, does it even hurt your knee? Like, it's just maybe, true. Maybe, maybe if you don't have ligaments attached, maybe you're like, ha, 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 keep yeah. going, put the heel hook on me. It's never going to blow my knee out. I'm good. Yeah, because it's already blown out. It's already blown out. And it's just, I'm always amazed when you hear about it for some of the fighters that actually let the cat out of the bag and say, well, actually, I was dealing with this injury. Wow. I, I, how do you fight like that? Like, honestly, like, <laughs> I know for myself, I've, I've had serious knee injuries. I'm not getting in an octagon to fight somebody. Okay? No. That's not no. happening. <laughs> yeah, that was really telling when he was wearing those knee sleeves and you're like, oh, yeah. something must be wrong. Uh, he wouldn't be wearing those, I don't think, unless something was wrong. And uh, supposedly some doctors recommended him not go there because they said it could have got catastrophic career-ending injuries, but he didn't want to, yeah, he didn't want to pull out. He wanted to keep at it. And uh, you, you're, you're stunned by the toughness of these guys week after week. And then you hear stuff like that. And you're just like, man, these guys are superhuman. It's incredible. It is incredible. But also too, I understand why he made this decision because now he's firmly in the negotiation driver's seat. Yeah. True. He holds all the power and all the cards. They can say whatever they want, but it's just like, well, at the end of the day, this is how you look and this is how I look. Yeah. He, he said today that he thinks it's cost him about $7 million this latest fight with the UFC. And he's, you know, he wants to recoup that somehow. And $7 million is nothing to sneeze at, especially when you're making about half a million a fight. And, you know, who knows what pay-per-view on top of that. But for you to be the heavyweight champion and you're only making $100,000 more than the challenger, uh it's not right it's not right it doesn't seem right at all so uh but let's try to move on to some positive things we had a co-main event that was uh one of the greatest fights uh we'll, we'll ever see uh this was the third trilogy fight between davison figueredo and brandon moreno uh brandon moreno had become a super popular guy from his story becoming the first mexican champion they had it in anaheim where it's just flooded with mexican nationals and a lot of uh, with Mexican heritage. Uh, he was definitely the, the fan favorite, uh, but Davison Figueredo ended up winning a decision three rounds to two on the three judges scorecards and uh, was able to retain his belt two time champion now and set up for a fourth fight, which has never happened in USC history. And he said he wants to do it in Mexico and Brandon Moreno's hometown um but man i enjoyed this fight a lot i love these guys 
we are only a few years away from the UFC actually saying that they wanted to get rid of this division. And uh, we get to see, you know, incredible, incredible action when these guys go into the cage. Yeah, it's probably a good idea that he didn't just mothball the division because then we wouldn't have had fights like this yeah. with a fourth fight coming, which has to happen as far as I'm concerned. That has to happen because it, that's the rubber match. Yeah. Draw, Moreno wins, Figs wins. Yeah. So now you got to have the rubber match. And, let, and, and let's be honest, there's nobody else in the division that deserves the shot. True. There's nobody else. Yeah. It's got to be Moreno again. And even for me watching this fight, uh, dude, sometimes the judges do have a tough job because I, I was just like, I have no idea who's won this no. fight. I thought personally it should, I thought one judge would have at least given to Moreno. I was wrong. Thought it would have been a split decision win, but that was as close as it gets for a unanimous decision. Um, I think Figueredo actually had the advantage just from his leg kicks, the investment yeah. in it. I think if anything that Brandon wanted to change about his fight plan, got to check those leg kicks, buddy. Got to yeah. check those leg kicks. Right. Um, there was a couple knockdowns uh, Figueredo had. Uh, I think those were, you know, they, the, the rounds were like razor thin. All mm. of the rounds were razor thin. But, uh, you know, in boxing, you get a knockdown, it's 10-8 automatic. UFC, yeah. that's not the case. They were flash knockdowns, but... To me, it's a knockdown. It's a knockdown. I think you know he, you got to go above, uh, you know anything else really that's happened in that round. When you get a knockdown, to me, that should give you the round. He got two of them. Uh, he had another round. I think he was a little better. So uh, I had him going in 48-47, winning this. I know a lot of people had Moreno, and there was a lot of booze in the crowd, uh, partisan crowd for sure. But man, it was razor thin. I can't wait to watch it again. And. I can't wait to watch them all again. I, I, I watched bits and pieces going into this weekend, but um, these guys are just so evenly matched and it's so fun to watch. They, they scramble the, the movements that they can make the just ability. Uh, they both can knock each other out too at this weight class, which is really amazing. Uh, just super, super great that uh, th these two have been able to be matched together and we get to see four of these. Hopefully it looks like. Yeah, and, and the other thing that I noticed in this particular fight, Moreno's power yeah. really showed up. Yeah. Like, and, it, and it displayed well against Figueredo's power. Yeah. Like, I, I was super surprised by that. True. But the other thing that I was very happy to see is Figueredo's finally figured out his diet yeah. because he was on point. Yeah. He was not, like, uh, severely, severely dehydrated. That was as good as we've ever seen him. And so for that fourth fight, when it does happen, he's just going to have to do the exact same thing again. Yeah. Um, how much do you think Henry Cejudo helped uh, Davison Figueredo being in, uh, in his camp, in his corner? Uh, I know a lot of people have problems with Cejudo, but, uh, you know, double champ and, um, you know, being able to come in and you know, figure out what, what the plan of attack was. Uh, uh, to me, it was uh, huge having him uh, in part of this camp. I think what Cejudo brings to the camp for Davison is championship mentality. Nice. I think that's what it is. I think he brought that to the camp so that Davison really took that all in and knew it's like, no, if you're the champion, you got to walk, got to talk the talk, but you also have to perform. Yeah. And I think like with a little 
subtle tweaks that Cejudo obviously brought to his fight camp and stuff. I, I, I personally think that Cejudo is a really good coach. Yeah. And I think that's what he's going to get into sooner than later, unless, because I know that he's trying to kind of sneak in and maybe get a quick title shot. But since uncle Dana's in charge, you don't like doing that. It always <laughs> has to be by his rules. Right. Yeah. But for what he brought for Figueredo is that championship mentality, knowing that you're the champ, and then proving it in there and just, you know, like he's, 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 he's incredibly intelligent. So there's things in Moreno's game that he thought saw and said, you can pick on this and you can pick on this. Yeah. Focus on these things. I'm really glad you brought up uh, Figueredo's uh, weight cut issues and problems because uh, this was the first fight out of the three that I, I thought he was at full strength. He'd seemed to be, you know, able to not get gassed and, and had his full power. Everything was there. Uh, I think that was so key, and I'm glad that, it, you know, it took him a while. It took him a long time into his career to figure it out, but to me, it looks like he has figured it out. Yeah, no, it, and, it, and it did take a while. It took a long time for him to figure it out, but now that he has, all he has to do is now follow the game plan. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so uh, I, I can't wait till they announce it. Hopefully they can do it real soon, uh, you know, to be able to see these guys for a fourth time uh, will be such a treat. And, um, yeah, Mighty Mouse is probably like, what happened, Dana? Come on. We could have had this kind of great stuff if you would have brought some of these guys along. And uh, But, yeah, this division is fun, and I'm glad it's uh, it's still part of the UFC because uh, there was lots of guys getting cut, and it looked like, God, they're just f- fading it out, fading it out, yeah. trying to get rid of all these guys. They let Mighty Mouse go, and, and all of a sudden you thought, wow, this is close. And. I think Cejudo kind of is able to save it. And then, you know, these guys are able to take the torch and, and run with it. And I'm glad they have. And uh, so am I. So am I. I'm, I'm glad they have. I, I, I was really disappointed with the way that uh, Demetrius Johnson's career came to an end in the UFC. I thought that was, it wasn't right with no. the way it ended at all. But at the same time, I'm super enthused that the flyweight division is still here. And you got these two guys that give us excellent fights every single time they step in the octagon. And now we get to see it hopefully for a fourth time. Yeah. And Figueredo now has the most wins and knockdowns in USC flyweight history. And, and just, um, yeah, to be able to have the belt, uh, bring it back to Brazil again, uh, good on him, uh, incredible performance. And, and uh, yeah, it's great. Uh, you know, I, I really love trilogy fights, but uh, you know, I, I, I saw the term for four uh, today, but I, I don't think I wrote it down. But uh, yeah, a very weird term that I haven't ever heard before. I don't remember ever hearing about guys fighting four times like this. No, no, of course, because it usually never happens because you would never think that the first fight would be a draw. No, but it was. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay, let's blast through the uh, rest of the card. Lots of great fights on the card. Uh, we saw Michelle Pereira come in. You and I have had a lot of problems with Pereira and the way he uh, dances around and doesn't seem to, you know, bring a true fighting mentality into the cage. But uh, he's started to calm down a lot and prove that he is one of the elite guys in this welterweight division and uh, had a big win over a very game uh, newcomer into the UFC. Uh, it was a it was a good performance by Pereira. Very good performance. He did some flashy stuff, but he kept it to a minimum, which I think is 
I think that's the rope that his coaches allow him to have, which is like, yes, you can do some flashy stuff, but it can't be consistently all the time or else you're just going to lose. Yeah. So yeah. they allow him to do that. But at the same time, his footwork, his in and out movement, skirting around the cage, having file a hole, file a hole. Yellow. Yellow. Yeah. <laughs> said it like a real American there. So Philo, um, <laughs> like he had to chase him down the entire time. And I think Piera actually set up traps for him, had him walk into stuff, especially some of those leg kicks to the body. Nasty yeah. stuff. Nasty. And the one thing that Pereira was an advantage for him in this fight was that he only had to worry about the man's hands. He wasn't throwing anything else. Where Pereira was throwing knees, elbows, yeah. hands, yeah, leg kicks. He, yeah. he had a more diverse striking attack than mm -hmm. Fialo. Yeah. Uh, yes, than the other man did. Yeah, yeah. Uh, four fight win streak now for Pereira. And um, yeah, I think he's going to start seeing uh, quite a bit of the elite. I thought Fialo had a really good shot. Uh, he was a really good boxer, started boxing at three years old. Uh, really spent a lot of his early career in AKA and uh, all those great champions out of there. He moved down to Florida and Sanford MMA, which has produced a ton of really good fighters. Uh, USC debut. Um, I, you know, I, I think we're going to see some good things out of this guy, but uh, prayer was uh, the better fighter on this night. Uh, okay. The bantamweight fight between Omega Medoff. And Cody Stamen was uh, one side of the fair, just uh, immediate, immediate uh, submission by Mega Medoff. And uh, nobody has made Cody Stamen look that bad. Uh, this was crazy fast and just uh, lethal in a strike there. Uh, boom, over quick, uh, shocking, shocking, shocking fashion. Shocking fashion from the limited amount that we did get to see him. He was better on the feet caught him coming in and then once he shot because he's like okay well can't stand with this guy immediately locked up the guillotine choke yeah. like it was it was so lightning fast and with the way that he locked it up there was no you gutting it out it was you going out that's <laughs> awesome. yeah no it was just massive uh immediate uh, tap and uh frank trigg had to pull him off just a flawless performance uh just obliterated. Uh, Cody Stamen is no joke. Uh, he's fought really good fighters. He's fought Aljamain Sterling, Marib Devashvili, Song Yudong, uh, a lot of really talented fighters. And uh, Cody Stamen, yeah, just was overmatched and blown away in this one. Uh, yeah, you know, the Nurmega Medoff, that, that name, you know, we saw Khabib come in and become one of the greatest of all time. And uh, you know, I'm looking for really incredible things for Saeed. He looks great. Yeah, he looks great. And uh, no relation to the other Norman Gamedov, yeah. but uh, same results, though. Yeah. Really good fighter. <laughs> um, I uh, was really happy to see Frank Trigg there. Um, he was a longtime UFC fighter, and he is the only the second former UFC fighter to come back and be a referee. Uh, in the UFC, uh, can you name the first? No, but I, I did want to mention something. It looks like he's been really enjoying his time off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
a legend in the sport, uh, one of the originals, uh, Dan Severn, was able to uh, finish his career, get his UFC refereeing credentials, and come in and be a referee too. But uh, Frank Trigg is the second guy to ever do it. Yeah, yeah, and he did well. He it, yeah. like he he did really well. I was really impressed. Super surprised when he walked in, though. I was just like, "Wait, is that is that Frank Trigg? Really? Oh, okay, right on." I know. Yeah, <laughs> I was feeling the same way. Uh, I I remember seeing him on one of the fight nights a while back, but it, I had pretty much forgotten. All of a sudden, I'm like, "Holy cow! It's Twinkle Toes! Frank Trigg comes in. There he is!" And uh, yeah, he, he refereed a couple of the fights that night, and yeah, he, you know, he's a legend. In the sport, he was always very critical of refereeing. And, uh, you know, most times when people are critical, you know, you're like, okay, do something about it. And he has. And, um, you know, I expect, uh, you know, very good refereeing out of a guy like him. I do. And also, too, I expect, which uh, he's shown already, that he's going to give those fighters all the chances in the world before he stops the fight. Yeah, yeah, I can't wait to talk about him in the other fight where there was four <laughs> knockdowns and a, a few others, and he just kept letting the guy go. It was uh, pretty good. I, uh, you know, I'm a fan of when they they don't call it too early. Yeah, no, I I am because as a former fighter, he knows I want to have every sort of possibility to win this fight, even if I'm getting my ass handed to me. I yeah. want the I want the the possibility of trying to win this fight. So just yeah. give me a chance. Uh, USC 270 had a lot of uh, fall-offs. There was a lot of fights that didn't make it to, to Anaheim and happen. Uh, one that was canceled uh, just the day before. Uh, Ilya Tepuria was supposed to fight Charles uh, Air Jordan, the Canadian. Uh, he was um, he was actually a replacement fighter for Movsar Evloev, uh, who withdrew. Uh, with an injury, but um, that fight was supposed to be on the main card. It fell off, and so Trevin Giles and the newcomer, Michael Morales, ended up on the main card. Uh, didn't know much about Morales. He came through the Dana White Contender Series, uh, only the second fighter from Ecuador to ever make it to the big show, uh, and actually had a really phenomenal performance, but I think the fight was called too early. Trevin Giles was intelligently defending himself. He was on his knees, uh, but he was defending himself. And all of a sudden, uh, the fight was called. I was pretty mad about it because I think it definitely would have uh, it would have lasted a lot longer, and it probably could have been a really good fight. Yeah, I was a little bit torn to be honest with you because I noticed when he got up right away, when the, when the, and he was protesting against the stoppage. Yeah, a little wobbly on the feet. Oh, you think? Okay. Yeah, I thought he, I thought personally, little wobbly, not as much as I've seen before, but I could still see it. Okay. So at the, at the same time, so I'm just like, ah, yeah, could he have let it go a little bit more for Morales to really put like uh, icing on the cake, so to speak? Yes, he could have. Yeah. Yes, he could have. That was uh, Mike Beltran, the rough there, and he uh, came in. Um, uh, Trevin uh, overextended on a punch, and then yep. Morales was able to uh, land a shot, knocked him down, and then he was all over him uh, really quick, trying to throw shots. But 
Giles was there. He was on his knees and he was putting his hands up. He was moving. Uh, you know, I just was really upset that it happened so fast. But uh, Michael Morales looked so young, 22 years old, one of the youngest fighters on the card. Uh, but coming in undefeated, uh, great performance. And uh, yeah, got, gets a victory in his UFC debut. And uh, I expect, um, yeah, that we're going to see some a lot of him because uh, they love these young fighters. They love giving them shots and, and hyping them up. And uh, yeah, I, I think in the welterweight division, we'll see him really soon. Yeah. Yeah. They love giving these new fighters a chance and seeing them grow, seeing them cultivate. And also too, I understand why Dana loves these young fighters. Not to pay them that much. <laughs> yeah. Always a good thing. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. I think he made uh, something like 12,000 bucks. So. <laughs> Yeah, pretty rough. <laughs> not not a lot of money for for putting your life on the line like that. So, uh, okay, let's just uh, blast through the prelims. Um, another uh, another guy making his UFC debut was Victor Henry. Came in against Howney Barcelos, and uh, Victor looked really good, uh, really impressive. Uh, he had. The legendary Josh Barnett in his corner, and uh, seemed like Barnett was really on him and uh, had him had him winning this uh, great striking battle. Uh, really impressed with this Henry coming in and on his UFC de- debut, facing a, a really tough fighter in Barcelos and and getting the uh, getting the victory and the decision. Yeah, facing a guy that's that good a striker, I believe Barcelos is in the same uh, fight camp as Jose Aldo. Yeah, and and you can see a little bit of the way that they fight is kind of mirrors mirrors yeah. each other, yeah. Yeah. and so when you when you mirror somebody like Jose Aldo when you fight, it's amazing that you came in and you beat that guy. Yeah, yeah, you know. So I was super impressed with it. I was impressed with the um, the the in octagon. Uh, things that he changed in the fight so that he could adjust the adjustments in the octagon that he made. Yeah. I, I was, I was just, I was just impressed with the way that he carried himself and how his standup was against a man. that's really, really good standup. Yeah. Really good standup. No, I was really impressed. Uh, incredible, uh, incredible poise, very crisp with his strikes and yeah, just didn't seem to have a lot of wasted movement. Um, they, they almost, uh, they came close to setting a, a record for strikes landed in that division. And uh, yeah, that bantamweight fight was great. Uh, uh, I Sometimes it's great when you see the early prospects, like I mentioned with Morales, but sometimes it's great when you see a guy come in, he's 34 years old, making his UFC debut. So he's paid his dues. He's fought a lot of guys on the regional circuit all over the world. Uh, pretty incredible for him to come in and and be able to, yeah, make his USC debut so good at, at that age. Yeah, and then also to mention that in a post-fight interview and say, I'm 34, I don't have that much time left, so I'm just here to make a big splash right now, immediately. Yeah. And that's what he did. La Mangusta, the small mongoose is his, uh, is his nickname. And, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing more of him. And, uh, yeah, kind of cool to see Barnett in there, too. Uh, what, what a legend. And I've seen him involved in a huge amount of great fights over the years. So um, really quick uh, fight in the welterweight fight right before. Two guys making their USA debuts as well. 
Uh, Jack Della Maddalena beats uh, Pete Rodriguez. Um, this is another Australian guy that comes in uh, quite hyped and was able to deliver uh, a really good knockout early on. Yeah, yeah. He, his boxing was absolutely on point. His jab was super destructive, destroyed Rodriguez's nose. Um, and he looked like the bigger fighter, like the much bigger fighter in this fight. Yeah. Much bigger. Like he, he looked absolutely huge for the division. And uh, he took him out, made it look easy. Yeah. Um, 11 fight win streak now for Delamandova. And uh, he lost his first two and was able to keep at it and has won 11 in a row. Uh, he said he had uh, jitters and he was a little nervous going in, but he's like, 50K, baby. This should have made me 50K. It didn't, but uh, yeah, really good. Uh, Good first performance by him. Oh, yeah. Fantastic first performance. He looked uh, like his boxing was, again, on point, looked super crisp, and uh, really didn't have to worry about too much coming back his way from Rodriguez. No, not at all, no. Um, okay, quickly mention uh, Tony Gravely. Uh, great, great battle uh, over Oliveira, and uh, Gravely looked great. Really, really great. Uh, ATT, he's went down to Florida, American top team, uh, has really been able to emerge as a, as a great guy. Um, Simone went for some guillotines early, wasn't able to secure them and gravely just kept getting takedowns. And what did he end up with? 11 takedowns in this fight. Uh, obviously, uh, that was the, the telling tale and he was able to grind out a huge win. He grinded out a huge win. Um, his wrestling took over. Uh, he almost got caught. That guillotine in the first round was tight. I, yeah. But he managed to gut it out, and then he used his superior wrestling to win the rest of the fight. Yeah. Um, I think that puts him into a three-way tie for the second most takedowns ever uh Marib Divashvili is the first all-time he had 13 uh and he was in the crowd too uh watching uh a lot of um mentions about Marib over the over the course of the night uh kind of wild but uh 11 takedowns um yeah you, you don't see that type of performance very often from a guy so uh good on him uh the fight that started the prelims was Matt Frivola, uh, who was actually fighting for his UFC career, uh, had come in uh, off two straight losses, uh, fighting a, a newcomer from the UFC who's coming in undefeated, Gennaro Valdez. And uh, Frivola, man, did he ever put it on this guy. Knockdown after knockdown after knockdown. And we mentioned it. Um, it was uh, it was impressive, impressive performance. Uh, this was actually Mike Beltran that was the ref on this one, but I uh, gave him all the chances <laughs> in the world till he finally had to protect them. Cause uh, yeah, Frivola was the steam roller was going on that night for sure. Yeah. It, how about this? The man fought like his UFC life was on the line. It was, and he brought that into the octagon utterly dominated demolished his opponent was amazing yeah such a great performance uh yeah absolutely just flattened him uh it might have been one of the rounds of the year for me uh that was uh amazing amazing to watch uh i can't wait to see it again 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, 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 he put it on him. He put it on him big time. Um. Uh, okay. Uh, two fights left. Uh, two female fights. A women's strawweight fight. Vanessa Demopoulos came in. Um, Little Monster is her nickname. She's the uh, former LFA strawweight champion. Uh, she was a uh, exotic dancer up until only a few months ago. She decided to stop uh, performing uh, in the clubs and make uh, her her uh, MMA fighting uh, her full time job. But uh, exotic dancer, she's like, I think being on the pole actually helped me a lot in the in this performance. And uh, yeah, great win. Uh, way to go, way to come in and uh, really show show the world what you got. Yeah, instead of uh, dancing like that, she decided I'd rather choke people out or punch people in the face. Good for you. Seems like that's working for you with that win. <laughs> yeah, pretty, pretty wild, pretty wild. Um, okay, and uh, we had a Canadian uh, come in, short notice, her USC debut, uh, fighting a, a bit of a veteran, Kay Hansen, and Jasmine Judavicious. Uh, looked really, really, really good. Utilized her uh, reach advantage, her length, and uh, got some takedowns. And uh, really looked very impressive for her first fight uh, in the UFC. Yeah, uh, she was able to keep the distance well. Her distance management was great, and she looked fantastic in this win. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, fun card. Uh Two title fights, uh, incredible performances, a lot of debuts, as I said, set a record for eight debuts. And, uh, yeah, it didn't look good with a lot of the fights uh, falling off, but we were able to see a, a great card from top to bottom. I enjoyed it a ton. We've got a week off this Saturday, nothing coming up uh, until the Jack Hermanson-Sean Strickland fight on uh, February 5th, uh, the uh is it yeah february 5th is the the next uh, fight they have um we'll we'll break that down next week yeah that sounds good but and i'm, I'm super looking forward to the strickland hermanson fight yeah. those are two very 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 different styles of fighting between yeah. those two men i i am looking forward to seeing how that all plays out in the octagon me too yeah okay like uh, let, let's finish it off as usual with the nba uh Tell me, um, yeah, some of the things that uh, stood out to you this weekend from the NBA. Uh, the Warriors are sure having a lot of exciting games. Uh, you know, one thing that just blew me away on Friday night, Steph Curry hit a game-winning buzzer beater, the first game-winning buzzer beater of Steph Curry's career. I was stunned, 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 stunned. To hear that was his first one ever. It was. <laughs> I can't believe that. I know. I Look at yeah. Try to dig it up, man. Unbelievable. That's that to me was one of the most shocking things I had ever heard. No, of course it's super shocking because we know how good he is. Yeah. We know how good he is. Yeah. And for the fact that that was the first time he's done that, and I think he's been in the league for twelve years now. Thirteen now. Thirteen. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. 13 years. I think it's just because the Warriors usually blow teams out and they just, he's not, you know, have the ball in his hand to try to sink a game winning shot. They're usually way ahead of him. And uh, yeah, it's crazy. But 
they've been winning a lot of tough games. Uh, they're still doing quite well, keeping pace with the Suns. Uh, they've won uh, three in a row now, I believe it is. Uh, the Suns have won six in a row, and they've emerged as the top team in that uh, in that conference. But uh, Warriors is still hanging tough. Clay Thompson's still getting up to speed. Uh, they need Draymond back, but uh, yeah, they had the Warriors had a few really good wins over the weekend. Yeah, the Warriors. Oh, the Warriors are going to kind of somewhat keep pace to the Suns to a certain extent, but Draymond definitely missing his presence on the defensive side of the court. It's very obvious to me. It's very obvious to anybody watching. They're just not the same team without him being out there. They're just not. Yeah. They're just not. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the Grizzlies are, uh, are still up there. They're, uh, they're in third place in the Western conference. Uh, Jazz uh, bo- played both the Warriors and Suns this weekend. Not too great. Um, I think there's definitely showing a, you know, a, a separation between those top teams and the rest of the West. Uh, Lakers are a dumpster fire as usual. Uh, you heard a crazy rumor today about R- Russell Westbrook. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the rumor is... <laughs> I can't believe this. Houston Rockets are actually considering taking him back and then giving the Lakers John Wall. It, it would be just a swap of like contracts, contract money. The only problem with that is, isn't John Wall kind of the same kind of player? Yeah. Aren't you going to kind of have the same kind of problem? You know, like to me, it's like, I don't think that's what they need. They need a different player. They don't need a John Wall or Russell Westbrook. They need something else yeah. to play alongside with LeBron. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, that, yeah, it doesn't make sense. Just swapping the same talent for the same talent. Yeah, it's not working to me. Uh, DeMar DeRozan was supposedly on the Lakers wish list and they almost pulled off a deal before the season. I don't think the Bulls would pull that move off now, but uh, Buddy Heald was already signed, sealed, and delivered to the Lakers. Uh, somehow that uh, trade ended up falling apart, but um, yeah, John Wall for Russell Westbrook, same same deal. There's, there's it's not going to work. Why would you do it? Well, yeah, exactly. Why would you do it unless Russell has been? Well, I don't know how he is in the locker room, but if he's being a distraction, or it's just getting worse, or he's just not listening to the coaching staff anymore, and he's just kind of doing his own thing. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Yeah. Uh, okay, turning to the East. Uh, Pretty interesting to see the Heat back up on top. Uh, they had their uh, amazing role in the bubble, going all the way to the finals. Uh, had a down year last year, sort of uh, middle of the road early in the season, but now they've emerged as the top team in the East. Uh, are you surprised that they have finally pulled it together? Uh, did it did it seem like it was inevitable to you, or were you worried about them? I was never worried about them. It's like you know. <laughs> they added Kyle Lowry, you know, like they added some really big fundamental pieces to an already great team. Yeah. Tyler Hero is playing out of his mind this year. Like he, he is playing some fantastic basketball. And now they're beginning to get people back because I, I think Jimmy Butler just came back after suffering, um, was it a back injury or something like that? Yeah. And then, oh, I think Bam Adebayo is still out. But he's scheduled to come back in the next couple of weeks here after having surgery on his thumb, I believe. So it these pieces are coming back together again. And then they've also found 
like some hidden gems in Max Struess. Yeah. That dude has been playing unbelievable basketball. Yeah. Where did he come from? Don't know, but he's <laughs> on the team. All right. Yeah. Like, like just with the fact that they got these guys that can just step in and just be instant offense out of nowhere. They got a very, very strong team. So yes, it was only a matter of time and now yeah. they're showing. Yeah, they're doing it. They're pulling it together. Uh, I'm amazed at how tight it is in the East on the top of the conference. Uh, the Heat are first. Nets are only half a game back. And then we've got the Bulls and the Bucks only one game back of the Heat. Uh, another half game back of the Cavaliers. And the 76ers are another full game back of that. So two and a half games separate the top six teams in the conference. Uh, it's going to be awesome to watch this going all the way down through the stretch of the season. Yeah, it's going to be fantastic to see. Like the Eastern Conference obviously has – as uh, more parity than the West because the two top teams in the West are well, the two top teams in the NBA period. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but the, the East, it, it's going to be a slugfest for those top six teams. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Uh, there was a, a story that emerged uh, over the weekend that um, has been quite surprising. A lot of people are uh, uh, giving heavy criticism to the NBA legend, John Stockton. Uh, he came out with a, quite a few statements about uh, him not um, wanting to wear a mask, refusing to wear a mask. He was kicked out of a, a Gonzaga University game, his alma mater. Uh, he said that he's against the vaccine, against wearing masks. He said that uh, this is um, ridiculous. He said that over between 100 and 150 Professional athletes have died from taking the vaccine, he said. And um, I'm pretty sure we would have heard about that if that was true. Don't you think? <laughs> okay. A hundred, huh? That's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure I would have heard that on, on, on TSN or something like that. Somebody would have said, oh, my goodness, the vaccine is killing people. Like, it would be a huge story. Yeah. Huge I, story. I don't know if I've heard of one. Have you heard of one dying from the vaccine yet? Oddly enough, no. I haven't. Yeah, kind of odd. So there's been a massive backlash on these comments. Uh, everybody's weighing in, and uh, I don't know what's happened to John Stockton. Uh, I think he should have just kept his mouth shut. He was, uh, you know, always considered one of the greatest point guards of all time, one of the legends out there. And, uh, yeah, he's receiving a huge backlash and tons of criticism. Um, you're going to have to look it up a little bit. Viewers, yourself, Jason, everybody listening. Um, yeah, it was bizarre. It was a rant that uh, I just really was not expecting from him. I kind of knew that he was kind of going in a different direction once he started backing Kyrie Irving. That's why I was like, yeah, this is not going to end well for you. But, sure, go for it. Yeah. Bizarre. Yeah. Very bizarre. I was, uh, yeah, I, I was disappointed for him and his family because, uh, yeah, he's coming across as a little bit nutty and, uh, yeah, just, I mean, you know, you can be anti-vax. Okay. You can you know yeah. say masks mm -hmm. don't really work, which sometimes they haven't, but to say that a hundred, 150 professional athletes have died from the vaccine uh where's the facts in that like you know show me the facts and i'll i'll say sure okay you're right but um to to me not hear one 
I follow professional sports every day as hard as anybody else does. And I've never heard of one. If, if I would have heard of one, maybe I wouldn't have even got a vaccine. But to hear about zero and he's saying 100, 150 professional athletes have died from the vaccine. Um, pretty shocking news. Yeah, because it seemed like he took a page out of uh, who's that guy that was the president before. I always lied. Trump. He took a, a page out of Trump and just said, yeah, I'm just going to say crazy stuff. I'm not going to back it up with anything. It's going to be great. <laughs> no facts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no facts, no research, no nothing. I'm just going to say stuff. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. We, yeah, yeah. I guess people get a soapbox and they can say whatever they're going to say. But uh, yeah, don't, don't be surprised if you get backlash from a lot of people. No, no, you should definitely not be surprised at that. Like, you know, if you're going to say outrageous statements, usually you're going to have to back that up with some sort of facts yeah. or something. Not just say it like <laughs> that former president that you had. That yeah, you're clearly yeah. I can't wait to hear him uh yeah retract the statement or clarify or I don't know, man. This is gonna take on a really weird twist if we hear some more from him. No, I I don't think he's gonna clarify. He'll probably double down. That's what Trump would do. So that's what Stockton's gonna do. all right well uh, i can't wait to discuss it next week after he doubles down that'll be amazing yeah i know i'm pretty sure he's just like no i'm not backing off from what i said i'm gonna double down (laughs) going even harder (laughs) (laughs) that's hilarious well man uh, this was fun as always uh great to break down such an awesome weekend in sports uh just loved it uh the football was uh, legendary you know unforgettable uh I, i'm so happy that i watched those games and got an opportunity to, to see football played at the highest level like that and, and also the ufc was great we got to see a couple of belts um, change hands and uh a lot of fun man a lot of fun a lot of fun. I love this weekend, especially the NFL, which was just such a treat. Uh, seeing two future Hall of Famers in, in Allen and Mahomes go get after it yeah. and just show us exactly what's what you're capable to do yeah. on a football field, which is magic. Yeah. So uh, we survived the quarantine, everybody. Uh, we had our, both of us our second quarantine that uh, we've had outside of when everybody got quarantined, but um, we've survived. Uh, hopefully that's the last one we ever have to endure. And uh, hopefully yeah, we can return back to normal fairly soon. Um, yeah, I don't like these quarantines. They're, they're, I don't like mandatorily being locked down. It feels a little bit like prison. Yeah, it does. It does. Like, especially when I, I look through my blinds and I'm like, man, I wish I could go outside, but I guess I can't do that today. I really can't. <laughs> yeah. Not a good thing. Not a good thing. But yeah, I'm glad you survived. Looking forward to hanging out with you lots this week at work. And uh, yeah, we'll do this again one week from tonight. Yeah, looking forward to it. Can't wait. And I am super looking forward to some more playoff football. I know, man. Yeah, me too. Enjoy the game tonight. Uh, the Jazz uh, Suns game uh, looks, looks fun. And uh, yeah, I guess uh, we'll talk tomorrow, man. Cheers. Take care. Yeah, cheers. Take care. See you tomorrow. Okay. Cheers. Bye, Bye for now. Okay. We've reached another. Uh, I don't know.
the end to another great podcast episode. A lot of fun. Man, I'm telling you, if you have not watched these football games, please find them online and watch them. Man, what a treat. Uh, same with the USC. Great card. A lot, a lot of fun as well, always. Um, yeah, uh, big historic day in Vancouver where I sit. Uh, the Vancouver Canucks have hired uh, a female to be their assistant general manager. Uh, really exciting news. Um, great press conference. I'm going to put a link onto the website. So go there, completesportsmedia.com. Uh, I want to thank our partners and sponsors. I want to thank anchor.fm, the easiest place to make a podcast. Just go to anchor.fm and you can do what Jason and I just did for Barrow, the hockey equipment and apparel company industry leader in technology performance and value v350 stick uh pampas and possibilities uh, they design west coast pretty things that they can make your house look awesome and of course forever living the aloe vera company for health and beauty products find them all on our website and you can purchase a lot of products at very great discounted rates Love you guys lots. Thanks so much for all your support. Appreciate it as always and look forward to seeing you very soon. Take care of yourself and have a great week ahead. Bye for now. Stay safe.